I tell you what, I just, uh, the Lord's I, I given me a word, and I, I want to share this word with you today. I wrestled with it. Uh, matter of fact, I told Sula, uh, as I came in, I said, the Lord gave me a word, I'm, I'm wrestling with it. Because I wanted to kind of go a different direction, but the Lord just said, no, 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 go this way. And so I'm, I'm going to go there. But before we go there, this is what I want you to do. You don't have to stand up. I know we, we've, we've stood for a while. But I, I want to worship the Lord just just one more time. Is that okay? Is that okay? I, I, and, and, you know, no one knew I was doing this. I didn't even know I was doing this. I just I just felt prompted to do this. But I want you to close your eyes. I want you to think about the goodness of God over your life, God's grace, God's mercy. Mm. He's been good. He's been good. As I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to Come on, church, sing that again. If you know it, come on, sing it. sing that again. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. We love you, Lord. We give you adoration. Worthy are you, Lord. Worthy are you, Lord. worthy. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. I feel the presence of the Lord in this house. Amen. You, you may be seated, and thank you for letting me do that. 
If that wasn't for you, it was for me. I needed that, okay? And um, it, it is so good to see you today. I'm so happy to be with you. Uh, even though it was good to be with my mom and dad, I am glad to be home here at church, right here with, the, with my family, right here. This is my church family, and I'm glad to be here today. And uh, so, so good to be with you. I want to, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Isaiah. Um, we're going to be in chapter 6. And uh, I've, been, I've been praying about this coming, um, you know, Christmas season and what the Lord would have me to speak. And I think I'm going to stay in this, this vein out of Isaiah. I don't think I'm going to move very far from this if the Lord allows me to, but we're going to touch on that just a little bit today, but we're not going to go into great detail. But I want to talk about uh, this this moment in Isaiah's life here in chapter 6. There's a transformation that happens in Isaiah. It's interesting, and Isaiah was, was a great prophet, but Isaiah chapter 6, we're going to be verse 1 uh, through verse 8. I'm going to read this to you, and then I'll come back, and I'll just break this down. And it says this, this is a familiar passage, most of you have heard this, most of you know this passage, and it says this, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, holy Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Amen. Verse 4, and the foundations of the threshold shook. Uh, if you have a King James, it may say the pillars shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Verse 5, and I said, woe is me. For I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Amen. Verse 8, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. That's a, that is a very, very uh, potent bit of scripture. We're going to unpack that today. Uh, will you bow your heads with me? God, I need you today. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would help me to reveal the truth of this passage. God, I, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me today. God, it's, it's burning in my heart today, God. And I pray, Lord, that lives would be forever changed by the mighty power of your word. God, help me to get out of the way, God, and let me say the words that I need to say. God, I pray that bondages would be broken. God, I pray that people would be set free. God, I believe that people are going to come to know you through this word. In the mighty name of Jesus, we declare, and everyone said, amen. So the prophet Isaiah is, is perhaps one of the most uh, powerful and one of the most impacting prophets of the Old Testament. And I know that's subject to to what you know, but but the prophet Isaiah was a man uh, who God would use mightily 
in a mighty way. We see him sort of going through, and I mentioned this, kind of going through a metamorphosis in his ministry or a change in his ministry. And early in this book, chapters 1 through 5, if you look at Isaiah, he, he really shows uh, he's, he's a little bit different than he is here in chapter 6, verses, uh, in chapters 1 through 5, specifically we're going to look at chapter 5. He really shows the faults and weaknesses of others. If you look at this, I'm going to show you this. And, and I can't help but think sometimes us as the church, oftentimes, we, we kind of get in that mode. There's a time for correction, but, but you know, and sometimes you got to just sit down and be corrected. Amen? How many know that sometimes I need to be corrected? And you can raise your hand and say, sometimes I need to be corrected. And, and, uh, but, but oftentimes, sometimes if we're not careful as, as people and believers uh, of, of Christ, we like to point our fingers and we like to point out other people's faults. And I think sometimes the reason we do that is it makes us feel better about ourselves, right? And so look at this. In Isaiah in chapter 5, he gives six accusations uh, uh, to Israel, and, and he says it like this. Um, he says, he, or woes. Everyone say, woe. That's what he says. He gives these woes. And he says this in verse 8 in chapter 5. It deals with oppression and greed. And he says, uh, woe to those who join a house to house. In verse, verse 11 in chapter 5 and verse 12, he says, uh, it deals with debauchery or excessive indulgence and sensual pleasures. And he says, woe to those who rise early in the morning to follow intoxicating drink. In verse 18 and 19, it deals with cynical unbelief. And look at this. In verse 20, he says this, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. How many know that we live in a society that, that where people are calling uh, good things evil and evil things good? Amen. And what that bit of Scripture deals with, I'm feeling my Holy Ghost today. And what that bit of Scripture deals with, it is talking about perversion. How many know that we deal with that today? Woe to those who call uh, uh, good things evil and evil things good. Look at this, verse 21, he says this, woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. Boy, are we dealing with that in, in our society today. Well, I'm educated. Well, you're wise in your own eyes, right? And he says, woe to you who are wise in your own eyes. And, and here's, the, here's the key. Those are people that are dealing with arrogance because I know more. I have more knowledge. Look at this, verse 22 and 23. It deals with injustices, speaking of drinking too much and, and bribery to get ahead. How many know that we live in a time where, where there are things that are happening in back rooms that are, that are helping certain people get ahead while others are being stomped on? Chapter 6, he shifts from woe unto them to woe is me. It's amazing to me. This is amazing to me. In verse 5, he would say that woe is me. It's no longer me versus you. It's me versus the holy God. This is amazing. Holy meaning whole and lacking nothing. How many know that we serve a God who lacks nothing? He is perfect. He is complete. It's amazing, and it kind of reminds me of this. If I was to, to play basketball with Novak in, in our driveway, can I tell you something? I could just put it to him in the driveway. I'm taller than him for a little bit probably. I would get all the rebounds, and every time he tried to shoot, I'd just stuff him. 
You know why? Because I'm bigger than him. But here's, here's the funny thing. If I was to play basketball it, it, with Novak, and then a limo would pull up, and Kevin Durant, the professional basketball player for the Brooklyn Nets, would get out, who is foot ten, and say, all right, I see you, Skiles. I see what you're doing to your son. Now let's play a game. And the roles would reverse. And this is what happens to us time and time again. We, we begin to point our finger at other people and say, I'm better than them. I'm not like them. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not a prostitute. And we begin to point our finger and we begin to compare our holiness to their holiness. But let me tell you something. When we begin to compare our holiness to the holiness of God, we don't stand a chance. I'm about to look at this scripture. We're going to unpack something here. Look at this. Uh, Isaiah, some 700 years before Jesus, he tells of a coming Messiah and the prophecies that Jesus would fulfill. But look at this. Before he does that, he speaks of, and it's amazing. Before he does that, he goes to this transformation. And But when Isaiah begins to prophesy about Jesus, he, he speaks of God's grace and God's mercy for everyone who knows Jesus Christ. How many are a product of God's grace and God's mercy? Come on and give Jesus a hand clap of praise. If you're going to do it, let's do it. Isaiah understood something about grace. He goes through this transformation. And in chapter 5, he says, woe unto them. But then when he finds himself in the presence of God, all he could say is, woe is me. Look at this. So I'm going to give you three points, and I don't want to keep you too long today. The first thing here in chapter 6 is Isaiah. He has this vision. And and, uh, and to have this vision, how many know that there are seasons in our life? All right? We're going through uh, the fall right now. There's a season. It's the fall. And we got home uh, uh, Friday evening and, and Saturday, yesterday, we had leaves all over our yard, you know, because I, I live out near Williams, and there's all kinds of trees. And we had leaves everywhere. So me and my wife, we began to, to start raking leaves. Well, she was raking leaves. I got on the lawnmower. I, you know, I work smarter, not harder. And so uh, anyway, so I'm just like pushing leaves, and we're doing that. And all these leaves begin to fall. And as I was doing yard work, I began to go to an area that I couldn't get to in the summertime because there was thorns and there was leaves and there was tree branches. But now that all that stuff has fallen, I had access to it for the first time in a long time. You know what I went? I got the loppers and I said, goodbye, thorns. I'm tired of scratching myself every time I go by here with a llama. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I had access to a point. But we go through seasons in our lives and we go through times in our lives. And and if you're in a season, sometimes, sometimes in our life, in season, things need to die. Sometimes in our lives, things need to die. Well, well this isn't a super encouraging message, right? And that's what I've titled this, this sermon today, Things Need to Die. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, Things Need to Die. So... In chapter 6, Isaiah, he has this vision. He has this, this amazing vision where he's, he's in the throne room of heaven. And, and, and he gives us a glimpse of this in his writing. And Isaiah 6, 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died. Catch that. In the year that King Uzziah died. And, and some of you say, hey, well, uh, you may ask, why did he have to die? 
Uzziah had to die. There was a reason that Uzziah had to die. So look at this. Uzziah, if you know anything about, anybody know very much about Uzziah other than he's just got a really cool name? Uzziah, if you need a name for your dog, there you go, Uzziah, right there. But Uzziah, when he became king, he was only 16 years old when he became king, and he served Judah, and he ruled his kingdom for 52 years. That's a long time to rule. That matter of fact, that's that's 12 years longer than David ruled. And and while King Uzziah was king, the kingdom advanced in power and might under his rule. Sounds like a good leader, right? Everything sounds good. And matter of fact, if you want to know more about Uzziah, you got to go back to Second Chronicles, uh, chapter twenty-six, and verses one through fifteen tells us of his accomplishments. This is some things that he did. He broke down the wall of Gath over the Philistines, the Philistines who had given Israel so much, so many fits for so long. He finally broke through it. He he caused uh, uh, them to fall and submit. And because he did this, his fame spread to the entrance of Egypt. Because they, they knew that Judah was strong. Uzziah, he built towers in Jerusalem and fortified them. He built towers in the desert and dug wells for as many livestock in the plains and lowlands. And so he is doing a whole lot of things while he is king. He's not just sitting idle. He had, he had a lot of farmers and he had vineyards. And the kingdom flourished. The economy was rolling. And then, not only that, he equipped his army with shields and spears and helmets and bows and body armor and invented new, never-seen war devices that, that, that they would put into play for the first time. The kingdom was doing good. Everyone say, the kingdom was doing good. All right, Scripture tells us that he became strong. But look at this in verse 16 in, in, in this Second uh, Chronicles 26, it says this. It says, but. It's what it starts with. It says, it says, but. It's not going to be up there. I, did, I didn't give them that. But it says, but when he was strong, his heart lifted up and he transgressed or he sinned against God. When he was strong, <laughs> When he was strong, his heart lifted up, and he transgressed or he sinned against God. How so? Well, King Uzziah, I want you to notice the title before his name. Everyone say, King. King Uzziah. King Uzziah attempted to not just be the king, but he got into this role where he wanted to be a priest as well. God had not called him to be a priest. Matter of fact, uh, um, Uzziah is from the tribe of Judah, and, and and Scripture tells us that a priest could only be a Levite from Aaron's lineage, and so he was not even he could not even fulfill that role. And while things are all going good and things are hunky dory, isn't that our case in our life? When things are hunky dory and things are great, well, sometimes we'll try to slip some things in that God has not intended for us or wanted for us. Amen. And King Uzziah attempted not to just be king, but to be a priest. And he thought this, if I could burn incense to the Lord in the temple on the altar of incense. Everyone say, that was not his job. So check this out. Azariah, the priest, went before the king. And he went not just by himself, but he went with 80 priests behind him. And they went to correct the king. 
And when he, they went in there, and, and this might be a good, good point to say this. It's good to have people in your life when you need correction. Amen. Don't you be so, so prideful that you can't be corrected in your heart. I'm, I'm speaking to someone today. Uh, but it, and it's good to have people, that, that, and I need them, and you need them to come and to love and to talk to you. And, and, and sometimes I need someone, and sometimes I need the 80 behind them to tell me because sometimes I'm a little thick-skulled. Amen. And don't tell, sit there piously because sometimes you're a little thick-skulled too. And, and so 80 of them, they tell him, they say, King Uzziah, you shouldn't be doing this. And the scripture tells us that King Uzziah grew angry and had a censer in his hand to burn the incense. And while he was angry with the priest, the Lord struck him on the forehead with leprosy. While he is doing something he was not supposed to be doing, he was not called to do. Now remember, everything in the kingdom is rolling, everything is going good. And he gets to this place and he says, hey, God, I want to do this. God had not called him to do this. And while he's trying to do this and while the priests are trying to correct him, he gets angry at them. And the Lord strikes him on his forehead. With leprosy. And if you know anything about leprosy, if anyone was unclean, that you had leprosy, you were unclean. And so there the priests are, and they, they begin to, uh, they see that he is unclean and that he has leprosy on his forehead. And they thrust him from the temple because he couldn't be there because he is unclean. And let me tell you something about King Uzziah. He lived his life isolated until he died. Verse 21 of that, of that chapter says... The guy that had it all together. And let me tell you what he did. He allowed pride in his heart. God, things are going good. Things are going great. Sometimes in our lives, we need things in our life to, to just go away. And, and Israel was in this season where they needed King Uzziah to die because he had let some pride creep in. He had let some, some things in his life that shouldn't be there. He wasn't called to be a priest. He was called to be a king. And can I tell you this, there is only one king and one priest in the history of the world, and that's Jesus Christ and him alone. Listen, listen, Revelation 19, 16 says, on his robe, speaking of Jesus, and on his thigh is the name written, King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hebrews 4.14 says this, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Jesus Christ is the only man in the history of this world who could be both king and priest. Because of Uzziah's disobedience, he spent the rest of his days in isolation and all that is said of him after that is that he was buried with his fathers. The guy who had such a great legacy. The kingdom was advancing. The kingdom was doing great. Because of pride in his heart, he, that the enemy had crept in. And because of pride in his heart, trying to do something he wasn't called to do, God removed him. And it was the end of a great era that would usher in a greater one. Look at this. You say, oh, why is that germane to our story? Well, interestingly enough, we oftentimes have, have Uzziahs in our lives that, that need to die. Come on now. 
It was an end to an age that would, would thrust or that would push Isaiah forward as a prophet and to the nations. And some of us are missing our appointment with God, our appointed moment with God because of the Uzziahs that we're allowing to remain in our lives. Are you hearing me today? So when times are good, like Israel, this is my tendency, this is our tendency. When times are good, we have a tendency to lift up people. It's just our tendency. Things are great. Things are good at your job. We have a tendency to lift up your boss because, or their manager because they're doing good or the CEO of the company, right? And, and maybe and when things are good, oftentimes we, we may lift up politicians. Oh, I know I stepped on some toes there. Or maybe this, we may lift up religious leaders. Some of you are old enough to remember in the 80s uh, when Jimmy Swagger fell. And he had a, a, an incredible uh, tele, tele, uh, TV ministry at that time. And, and, if, and he was kind of the, the head guy. But let me tell you something. Many people begin to thrust him up and put him up. And let me tell you something. God is not going to fight with someone. He wants your attention, amen? And, and, and so many times we, we, we lift people up or, or maybe we lift up organizations or maybe, maybe it's a friend or maybe it's your spouse can even, we can lift them up and maybe it's your job. It could be your hobby. Oh, you didn't say that, TJ, right? But it could even be ourselves. Oftentimes we might even lift our own selves up. But the Bible has a name for things that come between you and God and they're called idols. It's, it's it. It's, it's, it's just what scripture is. It's called idolatry. The first commandment is thou shall not have any gods before me. It's plain and simple. It's straightforward. And oftentimes our tendency when things are going good and things are great, we'll put God on the back burner and we'll put everything above God. This is what the nation had found itself, and the people of Israel had begun to speak the name of Uzziah. Uzziah is powerful. Uzziah has brought us to this place. Uzziah is doing this. The nation had a good king, and they began to exalt his name, and their lips uttered his name. And we have a mighty army because of Uzziah. We have a prosperous nation because of Uzziah. Let me ask you this. What's coming out of your mouth? Have you created an idol by putting something before the Lord? Is it always on your lips in your conversation? It's pretty amazing when you stop and think about this. Listen, you should not put any person, no man, no ministry before the Lord. Listen, I know, I know that may not be popular, but it's the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. Because men fall. Men fail. Men make mistakes. Only God is holy. And only God is holy and perfect. Amen? And can I tell you this? Some of us, some of us in this building aren't seeing the Lord because you won't let something in your past die. What happened when Uzziah died? Isaiah saw the Lord. Scripture says there, it says that in the year that Uzziah died, 
Isaiah saw the Lord. Some of you aren't seeing the Lord because you won't let something die. And something is keeping you on the outer courts, and God is saying, there is more. I believe that God is just prepping us. God, I, Sula, you said it right. To, I believe that God is prepping us, and God is looking for a people who are willing to lay down all the things of this world and focus our eyes on Jesus Christ and him alone. Amen? That's a good place to clap your hands. Amen. It needs to die. God's saying, let it go. There's a new season. Why are you hanging on to this season? Higher planes, higher places, greater moves of God. But before you get there, it's got to die. So here's the second, here's the second part of this scripture. We're going to break this down. Isaiah, he has a dilemma. Everyone say dilemma. Verse 2 says this. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. With two, uh, he flew. And one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy. I'm going to break that down here in a minute. I'm telling you, I I get excited every time I read that. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook as the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. So I want to talk about this first. The first part of that scripture I want to talk about is the seraphim. So taken from the Hebrew verb uh, seraph, uh, it literally means to burn with fire. So when when we look at these 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 angelic beings, the seraphim, when Isaiah saw them, he saw them as if they had a flaming appearance. So, so they were looked like they were on fire. They had six wings. With two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they would fly. But notice this. Notice what the seraphim did that Uzziah did it. Uzziah goes right into the temple, into the presence of God, and he does something he's not supposed to. But here are the seraphim who are in the, in the throne room of God, and what do they do? They reverence God in all times. They cover their eyes. They cover their feet. And as they get a glimpse of the Lord, all they could say is, holy, holy, holy. They cover their, their face because the Lord is so holy. And to say holy, listen to this, to say holy twice in Hebrew is to say most holy. Everyone say holy, holy. That means most holy in Hebrew. So check this out. But look at this. To say holy three times is to say is this, the holiness of God is indescribable. So they go around and they say, holy, 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 Lord, you're indescribable. Holy, 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 Lord, you're indescribable. Holy, 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 Lord, you're indescribable. And this goes on and on and on and on because there are depths of God that we cannot fathom and can't even know till we get to heaven. Holy, holy, holy is to describe God. It's not because he's indescribable. There's no way to describe it. And, and, and the Lord is different than us. He's perfect. I know some of you think you're perfect, but you're not. The Lord is perfect. And seraphim are not just animatronics that are programmed to just say, holy, holy, holy. That's not what the, why, why they do that. They are superior beings that are reacting to our God because he is whole. He is all things. He is perfect. And, and here's the thing. Uh, the more you look at me, the more depressed you'll be. You, I'm losing my hair. I'm still good looking, but I'm losing my hair. Getting older, 
The more that you look at politicians, just stop. Just stop right there. The more you look at organizations, they'll fail you. The more you look at your career, career, you'll be more disappointed. But the more that you see the Lord in his holiness, you'll never be disappointed. You'll never be satisfied. The more I read his word and walk with him and hear his voice, the more I, I'm impressed with the Lord. Amen. Even the doorposts shook. Because of the holiness of God. Look at this. Verse 5 says this. And I said, woe is me. Everyone say, woe is me. For I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So what is Isaiah's reaction when he saw the Lord? Remember the first five chapters, he was saying, woe unto you. And he was calling out everyone else. And now he's saying, woe is me. Because I am lost. I don't deserve to be here. I shouldn't be here. Now he's saying, woe is me for I'm lost. And I'm undone, the King James Version says. It means that I am under judgment. I see you, Lord, and when I see you, Lord, I see that I am unworthy and unfit to be here in your presence. Can't help but see the picture here where Isaiah sees the seraphim declaring holy, holy, holy while he's there in complete silence. Think about that. They're crying holy, holy, holy and he's watching this go on. But the whole time he can't say holy, holy, holy because his lips are unclean and they're full of iniquity. You say this, well, what was his, why was his lips unclean? I don't know. Maybe he had a problem cussing. Maybe he had a problem gossiping. Maybe he had a problem uh, uh, of speaking uh, judgmentally. Maybe he, he was, had negative talk. Maybe he was a liar. I don't know. But one thing I do know, Isaiah knew in that moment what it was. They're crying, holy, holy, holy. And maybe, maybe, uh, maybe he was uh, one of the crowd who had, who had praised Uzziah, who maybe had made an idol out of the king. And he sees he's the only one not praising and, and God in that setting. And, and, and no one can stand in the holiness of God alone. Can I tell you that? I don't care how good you are. Isaiah would, would, uh, had contemplated the death of Uzziah, and he saw the everlasting king on the throne. So, so Uzziah had just died, but then he gets a glimpse of the king of kings and the lord of lords who's gonna, whose kingdom is going to reign forever. And maybe you're here and you feel like, hey, you're the biggest sinner in the room. You feel like, hey, I'm the biggest duck in the puddle when it comes to sin. You feel like Isaiah, like you're unworthy. Can I tell you that there is hope for you and God loves you and we have a mediator whose name is Jesus Christ. And he came and he died on a cross and he rose from a grave so that you and I might have mediation with the Lord. He is our great high priest. Isaiah's dilemma is your dilemma, and it's my dilemma. You know why? Because Isaiah would later on in, 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 in his book, right, in chapter 64, my righteousness is as filthy rags. I am unfit. I shouldn't be here. He understood something. So look at this. Isaiah's, here's my third point. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. Isaiah, the third point is this, Isaiah's transformation. So look at this, verse 7, it says this, and he 
touched my mouth and said, talking about the seraphim, behold, uh, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And as the coal touched the area where Isaiah was plagued, it wasn't to burn him, but it was to build him up. Anybody ever put a hot coal on your lips? I didn't think there was too many people that had done that. But what would happen if you were to put a hot coal on your lips? It would carterize your lips, right? It would burn your lips, and they would they would become uh, burnt. And 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 here's the, what it, that that symbolizes: it carterized the flow of iniquity from his lips. No longer could he speak iniquity, but it carterized it, stopped those things. And this is what he did: he came in humility. He said, "Woe is me." This area of my life is undone. I can't help but think sometimes we come to church and we have so much pride and we're undone and we know we're undone and we feel the presence of God and we're through worship and we're sitting there and we're so full of pride that we can't say, God, I humbly come before you. God, I got to lay some things down at the altar. I don't care who knows it. I don't care what they think about me. I've got to get some things right in my heart with you. And when he came in humility, he said, woe is me, and this, is, this area of my life is, is undone. My mind is impure. My speech is cutting. My eyes are wandering. My, my hands are evil. Can anybody relate with me on that? Whatever your area of weakness, the Lord will send a coal from the altars to carterize that area like he did with Isaiah. And the coal from the altar shows us a sacrifice is needed for sin to be forgiven. Everyone say amen. And all, it all points to the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Because only his sacrifice can atone for my sins. Can atone for your sins, Sula. Don can atone for your sins. I won't call everyone out by name. Here we go. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. But if you're in this building, if you're in this world, Jesus Christ, the great High priest laid down his life for the atonement of your sins. You say, I, I'm, I'm not a sinner. Well, we're born into sin. We, 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 we live in a fallen world. We've all made mistakes. We've all made bad decisions. We've all done things. But listen, that bit of scripture, it, it, the King James Version says it, it where it says atoned, it, it purged or it atoned us. It literally means covered and is translated to atonement. And Isaiah had his day of atonement. His iniquity at this point is taken away. He has this moment, this throne room heaven. He realizes, what was me? And the atonement begins to happen in his life. And he, for the first time, he has true freedom. So look at this. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, the new is come. And something happens here at Isaiah in this moment. He goes from being old Isaiah to a new Isaiah. Look at this. Verse 8 says this. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. Oh, 
he found his voice. Here I am, Lord, send me. It reminds me of the first grader at school when the teacher's like, I need someone to take this to the office. Everyone goes, I'll take that five minutes to take that note to the office. Please, 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 pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. Right? And that's where Isaiah is now. He's like, the Lord says, who, who will I send for? And Isaiah's like, me, 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 me. I'm here. God. I had some iniquity. Lord, you, you purified me. Lord, you made things right. Here I am. Send me. Let me be a voice. And it's amazing to me because Isaiah, he begins to prophesy. and He begins to speak to the nation of Israel and to us and to the coming nations to tell of the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ that is to come. I can just see it. The Lord says, who shall go for us? And Isaiah's like, look at me, notice me, I am here. Send me. Look at this, Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, it says this. And I love Hebrews because it talks about the high priest so much. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight of sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Does that sound an awful lot like what Isaiah is going through? Uzziah had to die. God had to put some things in motion. He had to lay some iniquity down. Look at this, look at this, verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, making intercession for you and for me. I don't know about you, that gets my juices flowing. Will you bow your heads all across this building? Can I tell you this? God wants to transform you today. He has a purpose and he has a plan for your life. And I believe, listen to me, listen to me, church. I believe that we're on the cusp of God breaking open. I want revival. But let me tell you something. I want me out of the way so revival can happen. is what I want to do today. If you're here today, you say, hey, Pastor, I, I need to let Uzziah die. I need to let some things in my past go. I need, I need that transformational moment. I, I need that season to end so I can move to the next season. I, I don't want to dwell in the old season. I don't want to be like the children of Israel. I don't want to want to go back to Egypt. I want to go to the promised land. I want to move forward. So, so I need to let Uzziah die. I need to let that happen. And Lord, I need the Lord to, I need to see the Lord like he wants me to see him. And I need to get this iniquity out of my life. Can I tell you something? Jesus Christ loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That verse is for you today. That verse is for me today. Say, hey, I need to let Uzziah die. 
I need God to atone some iniquity in my life. I've, I've let some idols rise up in my life, and I need to push them down. I need to be set free from those things. If you're here, and, and I know the sound of my voice, no one looking around, no one, nobody looking around. You say, hey, I need, I need that in my life. Would you, would you just do this? Would you just lift your hands? Thank you, thank you. There's hands going up everywhere. stand with me all across this building. This is what I want to do. I'm just, I'm just following the leading of the Holy Spirit here. If you raise your hand, you can just keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you raise your hand, will you, will you take a step of humility? following the leading of the Lord here, will you take a step of humility and say, hey, I, I, I need to come to the altar. Would you take that step and just step out, step out. 